Welcome, dear listener, to the Coastal Magic Podcast, Elves, Fairies, and Dragons at the Beach. I'm Melanie McCree, your host and author of all short stories featured on the podcast. This is Episode 5, The Unresting, Part 2. In our last episode, Prince Dare of Cedar and his brother Winterberry did battle with an abnormally strong and fast human possessed by a malevolent spirit creature. Dare was wounded, and the bleeding didn't stop until he killed the creature. Dare and Winterberry returned to Coastal Magic Solutions to discover their third, unwilling CEO, a puka named Ian Walsh, waiting with a mermaid, Ariana, a princess of undersea and Dare's ex-girlfriend. She has come to beg for Dare's help. Her new love is in trouble, and she can only trust Dare, CEO of an agency devoted to saving humans, to help him because the man she loves is human. And now, our story, The Unresting, Part 2. I could arrange a saltwater bath, Ariana, Dare said, and cleared his throat. It felt dry. He walked to the beverage cart and made himself a cup of Earl Grey. There are guest sweets. Six. She knows you have guest sweets. Ian cut in, sounding exasperated. I told her. I even tried to tell the brownies to help her, but they threw things at me for that too. Besides, she wanted to wait here until you got back. He turned to the mermaid. All terms are met, child of the salt. They are, the mermaid said. My thanks, child of twilight. I will not say it has been fun. Ian grinned at her. It could be. Dare raised his voice. Towels and salt water for the princess, he said. You still think you know what's best for everyone, Ariana said, without malice. Dare could have replied any number of ways. All he said was, where are your gods? The hungry jaws would never allow a puka to bear you on his back. Ian gave Dare and Ariana a long look. His grin widened, and he settled on the arm of one of the couches. A solemn house brownie appeared at Ariana's side and held up a basin filled with warmed salt water. Another offered up a stack of washcloths and towels. Sighing, Ariana selected a towel and wiped the sand from her cropped shirt, arms, and neck, revealing smooth skin tinted a delicate green. It made the deep violet of her eyes more lustrous and echoed the brighter green of the trailing layers of fins that began at the top of her forehead and fell in angelfish drifts to her waist. She wiped off the ornamental chain strung from hoop piercings in her abdomen, revealing the tiny amethyst teardrops dangling from the chains. Then she made an attempt to clean her pants, but gave up when the towels got sandier and the pants didn't get any drier. The hungry jaws don't know I'm here, because my father doesn't know, Ariana said as the brownies padded off with the towels and basin. If he did, she shuddered, so many problems. In her distress, she allowed the glamour over her eyes to slip, so that her wide pupil nearly eclipsed her iris, leaving only a corona of bright purple sparkling around its edge. Her third, clear eyelids blinked, and she took a slow breath that made the gill slits along both sides of her neck rise slightly. Dare sipped his tea. Don't, Ariana said in a gently scolding tone. You have no right to judge Parker. Or me. 
What would you have of me, Ariana? Ours was a bitter parting. You absent yourself from court when I am present. You did not reply to my messages. He was talking too much. Dare clutched his cup tightly and stared into it. There was a tiny lump near where the handle met the bowl, a flaw in the glaze. Now that he saw it, he couldn't unsee it. And you don't know how difficult it was to come here, Ariana said. But he is human. Where else will I find fairy kind as strong as you and Winterberry, who will fight for a human's sake? Ian shifted uneasily, slipped into rabbit shape, and spread his body over the top of the couch like a fur rug. It started when Parker went on that vacation to the crater with... Ariana made a face. The lake of fresh water. I didn't go with him. Of course I didn't. Fresh water. How could I? But then he came back and... My family goes back to Undersea Palace today. Another six months away from seaside. I, I thought... If your father forbade the match, you would bring your human with you in secret. Dare finished. Parker doesn't approve. He is too responsible. The remark hadn't been aimed at him, but Dare winced anyway. But I had almost talked Parker into it before he went to the freshwater. Make your entreaties to the BNT, Dare said. Ariana shook her head. I can't. I told you, my father doesn't know I'm here. When he finds out the first place he'll go is to the BNT office. Dare gazed at her and waited. She shook her head ruefully. Why do you always guess the things people don't want you to know? She slid her fingers under the hem of her short top and lifted the material a little higher on her ribs, revealing a long gauze pad taped against her left side. The wine-red blood of the sea folk darker than the blood of humans and elves, had saturated most of the bandage, and as the shirt's hem rose, it dragged a smear of crimson over her skin. The scratches are shallow, but they won't stop bleeding, Ariana said. There is something wrong with Parker. Something evil is inside him. Dare and Winterberry exchanged a glance, and Dare saw his own horror reflected in his brother's eyes. I will find a way to stop the bleeding. It doesn't matter. Ariana said. Listen to me, dare. Parker is a good man, but the evil thing may use him to harm other humans. The BNT will shoot him if that happens. What if he's already hurt humans? Winterberry asked. I can only hope he has not, Ariana said, and there was an echo of song in her voice, a suggestion of threnody that tugged at broken places poorly mended. Memories of younger, finer days flashed through Dare's mind, but each time he shoved the memory away and the jab of shame and grief that came with it. Ariana's eyes were full of misery. There would be no tears, Dare knew. The sea folk did not weep. Their eyes weren't made for it. What do you expect Dare to do? Winterberry pressed. Dare would be a king of elves someday, Ariana said in a bleak tone that still carried that elusive suggestion of song. If Parker has killed someone, a king will judge him. That is a kind of honor. Dare pressed his fingertips to his chest and rubbed the spot over his heart. Land and sea know to fear the lords of Sida, Ariana said, and for a moment it seemed as if she might reach out to Dare, perhaps to touch his arm or shoulder. 
perhaps to touch his hand. But the moment passed. A child of de Green and a child of Marsh, I've seen you do amazing things. If you can, if it is not already too late, save Parker. Please, dare, give me this, and all between us is mended. Bring the man I love back to me. The brownies informed Dare that they had bathed Ariana and rebandaged her wound, then given her a potion and made her comfortable in one of the suites. The drug made her sleep deeply and slowed her heart. If the bleeding could not be stopped, it could at least be reduced. Winterberry wore a pinched expression. Is Shy the king of the Pacific? We have only to resolve matters swiftly, Dare said. At least tell Ishai where his daughter is, Winterberry said. Dare crossed his arms. Are you joking? Ariana wants the matter kept from her father until the proper time. Winterberry, it is merely a possessed human. We have already dealt with one such. With a single deed, my sins are erased. And think how it will be if Ishai discovers that Ariana came to me. To me, above all others. Ishai was greatly angered when Ariana shunned me. He will be more angry if he finds out that his daughter is bleeding to death in our office. King Ishai can drown everyone in Seaside in minutes. Plus, he's got the hungry jaws. Their screams can sink ships, Dare. I am well aware. Question. Ian slid from rabbit form into human form and sprawled on his back on the couch instead. What's the story? Winterberry shook his head, but Dare said, Nay, let him hear. The tale is already well known in the courts, what matter if another hears it? He took a breath and straightened his shoulders. I once wooed Ariana with the aim to wed her. Got that much, Ian assured him. It was a political measure, at least at first. I wished to slip free of the bargain that betrothed me to one Nidesha of Clan Incense. The betrothal was my father's will. Incense is second in power only to Cedar. My feelings on the matter were of no consequence. What's wrong with her? She's a conniving, narcissistic, bigoted brat, Winterberry said. I'll not have her, Dare said. What? You and the marmite were going to lick it out of town? Ian snorted. Her maybe. You? Never happen. The betrothal agreement hinges upon this. Nidesha, who is most fit to rule. But how if another is more fit to rule than she? Ian scoffed. Tell have raised her to it. No fairy kind would miss that loophole. A woman beloved of the people would hold greater sway over the kingdom, Dare said, aware as he spoke how desperate the gamble actually was. But Ian had never met the Countess of Incense. One had to know Nadesha to truly understand. A woman with a gentle heart would rule with mercy as well as justice. He added, with more bitterness than he'd intended, Clan Incense has never concerned itself overmuch with mercy. Ian frowned. So what? The elves didn't want a mermaid queen. All who knew her adored her. But I grew to see Ariana as more than a pawn, Dare admitted softly, and to know myself for a villain. I longed for honesty between us. I disclosed my reasons for desiring a match, had I done so at the start, Ariana is not one for court intrigues. She and her sisters were raised in seclusion. She knew little of the world when I met her. It was for that reason I chose her, I thought to woo in secret. 
to forge a bond before Nadesha and her father could interfere. Dare crossed his arms again and gazed at the pond, watching the pollen drift up from the lilies, white with glitters of dim rainbows. I did not take Ariana's maidenhood. I am not such a cad. But I am one who pursues his goals ardently. Silence fell. Naturally, it was the puka who broke it. Ian scooted further down the couch. It slid a few inches on the wooden floor with a loud squeak. Come here and I'll tell you what I'd do, he said. I'd find out where that Parker Lansby lives and sneak into his house. Have a sniff about. He stretched and put his hands behind his head. Maybe do a flyover as well. Dare's eyes narrowed. That had been very close to an offer of assistance. And you would find out where Lansby lives. How? Winterberry drawled. I take a something. If you're not actually thinking of something, it doesn't ca- Oh boy. Winterberry strode through a patch of mist to shove the window wider, then stuck his hand out and let the rain fall over his fingers. Matt's on his way here. He's at a drive through getting coffee. One SUV is much like another, Dare said, with a nervous glance at the entrance to the hallway. Winterberry grimaced. When he rolled the window down, the rain hit him. Matt, you mean Fisher? Ian slid off the couch, poised for a hasty exit. He'll be here in about eight minutes, give or take, Winterberry said. Right, it's been great, crack, got to go. You will stay where you are, Dare thought. If I let you leave, there's no telling when I'd find you again. I need you to help me find Ariana's human. I need you to charm the humans of Seaside until they take a chance on coastal magic solutions. I need you because Ariana is right. Very few powerful fairy kind will fight on behalf of a human without demanding something in return. But you will. I have seen you do it. Winterberry, Dare said. Be unbound. Keep him here. Kay, Winterberry said, uncertain but willing. The colors of his magic rose up in his eyes and hair, and he pointed at the pond. Half the water rolled out in a swift wave that broke against the couch and rolled up the sides. Ian shifted to rabbit form, hopped to the top of the couch and kicked off, launching himself into the air. At the top of the arc, he slid from rabbit shape into raven shape and swooped toward the hall. Winterberry stepped into the pond water, vanished and reappeared in the hall entrance, cottony fog rising around him in a white wall. Ian squawked at him, back-winged and dropped into rabbit form again, bounding sideways and then along the base of the wall toward the window, keeping just ahead of the water spreading across the floor. Dare called out to the trees. Bend, he told them, and they did, pressing their limbs against the windows and door, blocking all avenues of escape and turning the room dim and fragrant with the scent of crushed needles. Rabbit Ian leapt toward the window anyway and shifted in midair to mouse form, landing on the sill and burrowing between tiny gaps in the branches. Nope, Winterberry said and stepped into the water again, reappearing next to the window. He lifted his palm and rainwater poured into the room, washing Ian out of the branches and onto the floor. Ian switched to his fifth form, a stallion black and glossy as polished onyx. He shook his mane and snorted. Not that I'm not enjoying this, he said, because actually I am. He flicked his tail, flinging fat droplets of water in Dare's direction. Winterberry flicked his finger, and the drops puffed into mist that flowed light and cool over Dare's face. 
but nobody catches me unless I want to get caught. Ian finished, tapping one hoof on the floor. I've asked nothing of you, Dare said. I merely wish to know why you are avoiding Matthew Fisher. Oh, and I should tell you for nothing, Ian said and leapt over one of the couches, kicking it with his back hooves. The couch slid through the water and hit the wall with a crash, punching a hole in the drywall. As distractions went, it was perfect. By the time Dare realized he'd taken his eyes off Ian, the puka had shifted to mouse form again and was nowhere to be seen. He's still in this room somewhere, Winterberry said, the glow of his marsh magic in his eyes. The rain doesn't see him outside, and he hasn't passed through the fog. I could put fog in here too, but then you'd be blinded. No need. Dare called to the trees again, to their roots this time. Grow, he told them. Fat tree roots burst from beneath the gravel drive outside and crawled through the windows, shattering the glass. They rolled down the wall to spread over the floor. Filament-thin new roots emerged from the old, and as soon as the new roots began to widen, they sent out roots of their own. In the space of a few heartbeats, Dare had a net laid across the floor and into the hallway, sensitive to every vibration, every soft stir of air. He sank his thoughts further into the roots, feeling what they felt. Then he smiled and curled his fingers, and a set of roots curled too, winding into the underside of the couch and retrieving a struggling black mouse. The mouse became a rabbit, but the roots tangled around it. The rabbit became a horse, but the roots wound up the horse's legs, holding him in place. The horse became a mouse again, and Dare almost wasn't fast enough, but his roots caught Ian in midair just as he shifted from mouse to rabbit and leapt into the foggy hallway. Not that Ian would have made it much farther in any case. When Winterberry waved the fog away, it revealed all eight of Dare's house brownies waiting with kitchen implements in their hands. Ian cursed good-naturedly at them, then went limp, his front and hind ends dangling dispiritedly as Dare's roots wrapped around his middle and carried him back into the waiting room. I realize, Dare said, that you are dissembling and mean to turn stallion again the moment I relax my guard. Ian laughed and took human form, snapping the roots that held him. Let me go, Dare. I've done nothing to you. If you keep on, it'll be your fault Fisher catches me, and I'll consider that a debt you have to repay. You can still easily evade poor Matthew, Dare said. Indulge my curiosity. What have you done? Which time? Ian asked. Or, Dare said, Winterberry could put water in your lungs. Ah, here, Ian protested. Little under four minutes, Winterberry reported. Ian took a seat on the uninjured couch. Fine, there might be a bit of a problem with the county sheriff. And now, Dare thought with satisfaction, we shall open negotiations. Perhaps we may be of assistance. Ian gave him a sultry, under-the-lashes look. Maybe, you'd have to make it worth my while. Our side is making no promises, Winterberry interjected, until we know what you've done. Winterberry, Dare, the object of this game is to win. Ian, explain. The puka put his hands behind his head. I heard the sheriff bragging to somebody about his new landscaping. I thought, why not go see it? Ian flattened his hand and made a shallow swooping motion. I was flying over his yard, just flying, mind you, and a man shot at me. He didn't even call out first to see if I was very kind. He just lifted a shotgun and 
Ian mimed, aiming and firing. Bang! Well, I'm a trickster, aren't I? I had to pay him back for it. Naturally, Dare said. So, I went back a few nights later, banjaxed up his security cameras and cut his hedges into dirty shapes. Ian snickered. The man's got stiff hedges. I'll give him that. Winterberry rubbed the bridge of his nose. Three minutes, he reported. Fisher's going to give out to me for it, though, Ian finished gloomily. No exceptions for pukas, that's what he'll say. So I've got to avoid him until somebody does something worse to distract him. Dare rested his backside against the edge of the desk and crossed his arms. Perhaps I might assure Matthew that it would be a struggle to find proof that would stand up to legal examination. You can't assure that. No fairy kind who's ever met me can assure that. Matthew merely requires a reason to let the matter rest. His resources are better spent on weightier matters. Dare offered a pleasant smile. My aid would not, of course, be freely given. Ian looked over at Winterberry. Two and a half minutes. Let's hear it, Ian said. I wish you to act as an agent of Coastal Magic Solutions. Ian's reply to that was crude and succinct. An agent merely, Dare assured him, for a single temporary assignment. With the Puka's help, surely they could locate and subdue one human before the day was out, even a possessed one. I have felt the claws of one of these spirits, Dare said, willing Ian to listen. A creature like to that which possesses Ariana's human. If we do not destroy the monster who wounded her, the bleeding will not stop until she is dead. But if your cold heart cannot be moved by the plight of one woman, consider Ishai's wrath should Ariana perish. Ian met Dare's gaze, and for a moment, the cocky puka bravado dropped away and Ian's true feelings showed clearly. What a mad thing a puka is, Dare thought. You knew she was Ishai's daughter from the start, he said quietly. I could smell her blood, Ian muttered. If the Egypt woman hadn't jumped on me back and given me orders, I could have resisted. The best I could do was dump her in some wet sand instead of a bog. She paid more for the ride than she had to. Why, then, to make amends, Dare said, and if it should please you, why not attempt a scheme well suited to your habits? Ian's eyes gleamed. You'll not call me cold-hearted about women again. Apologies? Well, then I will. What? Winterberry demanded, outraged. That's it? I will? Why did we just break the lobby? Ian sniffed. You tried to force me to stay. I do what I want. Ian Walsh, Dare said. If you will agree to use your powers to save... He stumbled briefly over the name, but kept going. Parker Lansby, and to fight as my sworn ally until the enemy which inhabits him is defeated... I will in turn agree to convince Matthew Fisher to overlook the crime of vandalizing the sheriff's landscaping. Do we have a bargain? I'll team up on this one job only, Ian said. I'm not a joiner. He shifted into the formality required for a very kind bargain. I will abide by the terms as stated, provided you give me an alibi so sound even Fisher can't break it. I so swear, Dare said. I so swear. Ian repeated, sealing the bargain. And that's when Agent Matt Fisher knocked firmly on the front door. You've been listening to the Coastal Magic Podcast, Episode 5, The Unresting, 
part two. If you're enjoying this story, why not leave a rating? It helps others discover the world of coastal magic. And don't forget to subscribe. Next week is part three of Dare's Tale, and there's a lot more trouble coming his way. The friendly folks at Coastal Magic Solutions are delighted you stopped by. Until next time, dear listener, be kind, be well, and remember, the grass is always greener on the other side of the headstone. Headstone.